0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network.
1: Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Maisky. Welcome, my friends. This is episode 145 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, yet another special bonus episode going on all throughout the month of October. Hey, in this episode, we are speaking with the high-energy urban fantasy and sci-fi author, Jabe Stafford. Jabe and I had a lot of fun, if not an interesting time, chatting while there were all sorts of strange things happening at the same time. I struggled very hard at the beginning uh just trying to get the words out i don't know what my problem was uh but uh oh my gosh that was that was rough jabe had a uh electronic that was going off a little chime that was uh, trying to ring in on our conversations and then there was a persistent sound that was uh, happening in the background that i could not figure out for the life of me but you know that's why this is not a live show that's why i edit so you get to the good stuff uh, even though we do poke some fun at some of, the, some of the things that were going on throughout. And when I say good stuff in this episode, you're going to be hearing about what is a yoga witch? <laughs> Which just makes me laugh again saying it. Uh, being an isolated writer. Uh, therapy through writing and journaling. We talk about Jabe's great desire to entertain readers. Not only with his books, but, but also with classics. And, and you're going to hear more about what that means uh, here in just a moment. And of course, we're going to dive into his debut novel, Ales, Agents, and Alchemy, from Kyanite Press, and that's coming up here in just a couple moments. So stay tuned, and you don't want to miss out. It was a lot of fun. But uh, yep, I am back in the studio. I had it—you uh, know—no more recording in front of Barnes and Noble at the mall. <laughs> Hopefully, this sounds a lot better than last time when I was uh, recording for Greg Phillips. You know, I think it still turned out all right. I, I sounded a little odd, but but it was, a, you know, it was a worthwhile day. Uh, my, my father pulled through. Thank you so much for those of you who asked. But uh, yeah, my father's surgery went really well, and uh, he's recovering nicely. But uh, yeah, having to go somewhere else to sit, I uh, made the most of it and did a lot of editing on a few different shows and uh, did some more writing and editing on my upcoming book. And yeah, you know, it's, you, you make the most of it, right? But needless to say, today, as you can hear, I am back in the studio at my home. It is very early in the morning, as you might be able to tell in my voice. (laughs) And uh, we're back at it. So, hey, if you haven't already, make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. Be that Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever. And for as much as I appreciate ratings and reviews... And, uh, you know, I wouldn't turn it down if you wanted to give me a rating on, on those services. What I really like is when you share a favorite episode with friends on social media, you can find the sample chapter podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look up sample chapter podcast. And whenever you do share an episode, make sure you tag the show and let me know so that way I can know that, that you're doing so. And, uh, yeah, I'll make sure and reshare what you have shared. And, uh, give a shout out towards that author and uh, and you as well. Not to mention I'll even I'll even holler out to you at the on a, an upcoming episode so you can share that episode as well. <laughs> hey, if you want to reach out to the show, you can do so via email at samplechapterpodcast@gmail.com. At Let me know what you think of the show or if you are an author and you'd like to come on and be a guest. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can do so at 660 660- eight five one 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 four six leave me a little voicemail on there again telling me what you think and uh you know what your thoughts are on the show and of course as always if i like it i will play a sample of that on an upcoming episode as well i really want to say thank you so much to my sponsor scrivener as always they are my favorite writing software the ones that i use every day when it comes to my writing and you know my writing's coming along nicely i it's definitely dropped off a little bit in october which i don't know there's just so much i'm dealing with right now uh but uh that's all right because it's nice to know that whenever i can make the time scrivener is there with all, everything that i need hey check out this advertisement for scrivener and make sure you're listening for how you can save 20 percent on the regular desktop version Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers, like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application, and with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard. You can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Yes, indeed. Thank you once again to Scrivener Writing Software, made for writers by writers. I also want to thank the wonderful podcast network that I'm a part of, Pop Goes a Culture, home to almost a dozen different shows all about the pop culture genre. Uh, be that the 70s, 80s, or 90s, you know, anything pop culture related, movies, TV shows, even wrestling, clothing, toys, everything that's fun. Uh, they are talking about it. And uh, their flagship show, Pop Goes a Culture, airs every Thursday night live on, uh, I don't know, I can't remember now. They, I think they moved over to uh, Facebook Live. But, you know, if you go over to to popghostofculture.com or just click that link in the show notes, you can can see their website and find out how to sign up because you can uh, log in on Thursday nights and uh, interact with the show, interact with the hosts, and check it all out. But I do invite you to check out the rest of the shows on that network. Lots of great shows and some that I really, really enjoy. And I also want to thank the other podcast network that I'm a part of. Project Entertainment Network. Home to more than 35 shows of just about anything that you could want to listen to. <laughs> shows about monsters, uh, writing, about you know, developing an opinion on something, or getting somebody's opinion on something. There is horror writers. There is baseball. Uh, just the, the list goes on and on and on. You know, maybe, maybe what I need to do is sit down and write up a list of all the different genres that there are on on there. Because I mean thirty-five shows, that's a lot. And uh, but we're very happy to be a part of it. Check out this advertisement for one of those great shows. You don't have to find an interdimensional saloon to have a pint of alien beer with me, Chrissy Garrison. Just tune into my Alien Beer podcast each Thursday and I'll share my speculative fiction stories with you. And every other week, I'll be serving up a new installment in my science fiction serial, The Multiverse Blues. Meanwhile, catch up with me at SillyHatBooks.com podcast. See you there. Ah, fantastic show. Like I said, don't forget to click that link in the show notes for all of our podcast networks and our sponsor alike. But meanwhile, I think it's time for us to go ahead and hop on over to our incredibly fun interview with Jabe Stafford. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week we are jumping up, uh, not a a very far drive, we're we're heading up to Ohio, not too far from me here in Missouri. And we're going to be having a wonderful chat with Jabe Stafford, the blissfully hilarious storyteller whose journeys include teaching Taekwondo, learning the craft of writing at the Madison Right-by-the-Lake Retreat, and the UW Writers Institute, Jabe. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey there, good to see you. Uh, do you need a drink, a beer alchemy after that?
1: <laughs> that was uh, that was fun. Thank goodness I edit this show, so because uh, then that way everybody will just be like, what the heck are they talking about? So hopefully, <laughs> sounds good. That well, was rough. That was one of my roughest introductions I've had, but hopefully it'll sound good later. <laughs> well, when that happens to
0: me, you'll hear me intentionally hacking a lung. On the screen, I don't care. Let him see me hacking the lung. It makes it more fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, how are you doing? Are you staying healthy and uh, happy in your new home?
0: Oh, the new home's is great. Uh, so moved to Ohio uh, with my wife about five months ago, my wife Megan. And she is also a horror and erotica writer. So we get some writing times done in the night. Um, yes. And Ohio has some cool atmosphere the downtown atmosphere the north market uh there's bars downtown that are so close to the atmosphere of the book that i just finished writing and that i'm promoting it's fun like i'm seeing the story everywhere we go here in columbus
1: oh that's awesome that's awesome well all right so let's dive into this here whenever you uh whenever you write do you have a place in mind or is it just kind of coming out of you naturally Writing places. Oh,
0: well, what helps with writing places is atmosphere. I can write wherever I want as long as it's not too uh, chaotic. I mean, writing in the middle of an airport uh, is something I've done once. Uh, <laughs> and that was easier when there were most people getting onto the plane and just a few people sitting around minding their own business. Um, if there's too much going on, uh, my brain kicks in. and I'm looking around at the people rather than at my writing. Uh, I-, I love people. More than the writing most of the time, so I have to like get into a position where I can isolate into an office or into a bedroom where it's just me and as few distractions as possible.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's always good when you can find those places and uh, that are your sanctuaries. Uh, I've got a uh, I've got an iPad uh, that I got last year and a portable keyboard. and so now my weirdest place I've started writing, Uh, not every day, but that I have written here recently was a uh, hospital waiting room and then in the dining room a little later I was uh, in there doing a little bit of typing and just letting people go about their business and ignoring all the calls on the intercom. Sneaking the writing in, huh? That's right. Got to put it in there wherever you can. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. That's how it's done. It's tough sneaking that writing in. You think you can get one more chore in or one more responsibility in. You have to tell yourself, no. This half an hour or this 15 minutes is for the beer alchemy. It's for the alcoholic angels. It's for the characters I'm writing now, not for sweeping the floor.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. So uh, how about the uh, the characters? You've got some very interesting characters that I see popping up, uh, looking things over with uh, your mechanical bees and, the uh, like you said, the uh, – alcoholic angels where does this come from
0: well it all comes from a desire to have fun and share that fun with the reader um alcoholic angels and ai scientists with robot bees they're fun to watch they're spectacular visually um a demon can talk smack like my main character ava from the reaper's uh, replacement um that i am the news on the reaper's replacement is i just got a revise and resubmit request from a publisher
1: so nice. I'm revising
0: that novel right now, and it's fresh in my mind. So Ava is the smack-talking bodyguard of the Grim Reaper. And that's just fun. But, yeah, know, the characters come from a desire to have fun with the writing and to bring fun to the reader. Um, I did some work as an English teacher for two years in Michigan, and what I found there was a lot of the students didn't care about the books because they weren't enjoyable, they weren't entertaining, they weren't fun. Um, it felt like work to them. So when reading *The Great Gatsby* with a senior high school class who is disinterested, and I started pointing out, "Oh, this couple is sleeping together. Oh, this person is letting his cousin, you know, cheat on her on the husband. You know that that hits them when you show it." So I wanted to write characters who are blunt and who are upfront and straightforward and enjoyable to read, whether it be through smack talk or through genuinely showing who they are on the page.
1: I, I love that. Yeah, that's a great way to uh, to put it because it's characters jump off the page and grab your attention, but also it, it depends on the author or in this case, as you were describing with your students, the reader, because you found a way to to reach those students and have them become interested into something that they weren't into. And that's, I love that. That's great.
0: Makes it a heck of a lot of fun, and that's the mo- the best part. Books should leave a reader with good memories and good feelings. I mean, uh, w- what are some of your favorite books that have stuck with you over the past, you know, couple of years?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, well, you know, honestly, right, So the way you were describing that story, one, one of the stories that uh, that came forward in my mind was uh, my first reading of um, the uh, the Cthulhu author. Oh, HP
0: Lovecraft. H- yeah, yeah, my my first
1: time reading Lovecraft and uh, I I didn't know who he was when I first picked it up uh, years ago and I was reading this and at first I was like really into it. I was like, wow, this is like dark and it's kind of cool. It's got I like the monster, but it was like a collection of his stories. And so like here's a story that was great and then like the next story I felt like I felt like Higgins from TV's Magnum PI was reading one of his expeditions to me <laughs> and I was so bored it was like oh my gosh what the heck and I showed it to my wife and then she starts reading it and all of a sudden it like came to life it came to it completely different so I had to like whenever I she handed it back to me she read like a couple of pages and I was like wow all right wait a minute, that's I was totally not seeing it that way and and I don't know if it was my mindset or what but afterwards I enjoyed the rest of the book and the other stories much better because I started to, if I thought it was um, boring me or or something that was dull, I tried to look at it in a different uh, range. so that that was something that uh, I really enjoyed, and it, it's definitely stuck with me.
0: Yeah, seeing it in that different perspective, that just that light bulb moment of oh my goodness, that that's a great moment. To, uh, Lovecraft delivers a lot of those, especially with his monsters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my most recent one would be Dune. I I never read the book as a kid because I was scarred by the movie in the, uh, in the early 80s. I'd only seen bits of the movie and it freaked me out. Uh, and I thought, <laughs> man, I I want nothing to do with this. I don't know what people are talking about that this is such a classic. And earlier this year with all the hype of the new movie coming out, I thought maybe I should try this again because I, yeah, everybody's so hyped about it. and. I tried it again. I, I listened to the audio books that that way I could try and get into it a little bit more. And Oh my gosh, did I, I just, I loved it. It was fantastic.
0: Yeah. That feeling, uh, every big name book brings you some huge different feeling. Like Dune literally feels galaxy sweeping. The planet Arrakis feels huge mm-hmm. and only books can deal or can give you that experience. Like even audio books, like the, the ambiance in the background, the spaceship or the sands blowing past. Yeah. Um, and that's what got me to connect to both students and readers, um, bringing that you know, feeling of, hey, the atmosphere of Ales, Agents, and Alchemy, which is about an alchemist serial killer and the family of victims who can't prove he's using liquor alchemy to murder them. <laughs> it's a little absurd, a little bit, but if you had to deal with that one type of magic, if that was a real thing that had to be dealt with by people, You might get a story like Ailes Agents in Alchemy full of wondrous bars and rich alchemists who, who are CEOs of pub chains and who deal out their moonshine that enhances the senses, but they have legal reasons to keep it under wraps. That atmosphere is just so fascinating. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, do that and deliver it to readers the same way that like a Frank Herbert would deliver the Dune feel Mm -hmm. to readers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that aspect that you, you're, you're bringing about these incredible characters and situations that grab your attention, grabs the reader's attention and makes them want to continue to find out what's going on, such as your, your debut novel coming up here. Like you said, Ales, Agents and Alchemy, which is a fantastic premise. Uh, tell us some more about this.
0: All right, so A.L.'s Agents in Alchemy has three characters. Uh, two of them are alchemists. One is an ATF agent. Uh, for those of you who don't know the acronym, ATF stands for Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. So the main character, Ryan, is an anxious college dropout alchemist. And his sister was murdered by the antagonist, Lawrence Grant. Lawrence Grant is the oldest alchemist in the world. He's 140 years old. He's been practicing it so long that it has given him agelessness. And he's using that to continue to get rich, to continue to remove what he calls parasites from the world. People who are a waste of space. People he thinks are you know negative to the creatives and the scientists and the politicians. So he thinks that's his goal, to get people like Ryan out, because he's too anxious, he can't handle alchemy under pressure and so it's a mind game. Ryan has to rise up to the occasion with his sister-in-law, the uh the ATF agent Kelly, um to show, hey, I'm a beer alchemist. I'm new to this, but I'm just as valid as your 140-year-old serial killer butt. It's a big sweeping quest. It's great. It's so much fun. Um part of what inspired the story was wanting to make a simple kind of magic that would have a couple of small effects that would have big life consequences. Um, there's so many stories out there that have 10 magic systems or the magic is so complex you can't follow it. With ales agents and alchemy, you can follow it right away. Each drink gives you one superpower mm. and you have to use that to your advantage or you know watch out for other people's you know using their alchemy against you. For example, Um, The warden controls people with his bourbon. He brings them back to his businesses. They get addicted to being under his control, and it's so subtle they can't see it. So Ryan has to team up with another alchemist, the medium, who conjures ghosts with her wine, and he gathers information from his dead sister and from other ghosts that are the victims of the warden of Lawrence Grant. And so he's kind of the amateur detective, having to continue to produce his alchemy, and fend off the mind game of this CEO serial killer. It's kind of American Psycho meets Harry Dresden.
1: Hmm, that's fascinating. I love it. It's it's such a great premise. It's uh, <laughs> this is going to be exciting. I can't wait for this to come out. What what is the uh, the release date for this? Everybody knows.
0: The release date is October twenty second, 2020, so that's about a month away, a little longer. And the book comes with character art uh, and chapter art, uh, and that's part of the book's atmosphere. Everything adds to the atmosphere, and that's all about... That's all what Lawrence Grants is about. He's all about atmosphere. The more he can get people coming back to his bars and under his control, the more alchemy he'll sell, the more he can pick people off without anybody noticing.
1: Yeah, and speaking of the... Uh the art within it that that's just some amazing looking art i was looking on your your website and seeing some of this it's got a very uh well it, the the most recent thing i could see to compare this to would be uh, like uh, walking dead it's got some really cool art inside it
0: yeah it's got that comic style noir art and uh shout out to uh doodle bags on twitter uh pat maxton for designing <laughs> that artwork for me um He's a rock star to work with, and he really captured the warden's intimidating menace with his revolver and his suit and his bourbon. All the characters are in the book with art. Uh, the major characters. It's just so much fun. I it was a blast to write, and I can't wait to geek out with everyone about it.
1: <laughs> so what uh, what was your background in writing before this uh, before this novel? I mean, it's you know this is your your debut novel, so it's the dream that so many of us are looking for. But what were what were you doing prior to this?
0: Well, I started writing at age 26. Uh, before that, didn't even know I wanted to be a writer. I was more into reading and video games that were like RPG, storytelling video games like Mass Effect, uh, Skyrim, those kind of games. Mm. And in the eight years between then and now, I've been an English teacher, uh, I've been an office <laughs> jockey, that was a picture falling off the wall... <laughs> I've been an office jockey. Uh, right now, I'm uh, looking for work uh, in, in writing and to edit, uh, like as a uh, as a new editor. So I got to set that up. Um, it's been a heck of a journey. And um, what got me into writing was realizing that there are experiences that only writers can bring to the world. Um, all of your favorite stories that you sit down after work and you know, you sit down after a long day and say, okay, I've had my food, I've had my water, I've, I'm in my house. What do I need? I need to connect. I need people. I need stories. So you put on your favorite movie or you open up a favorite book or a new book that looks really cool with the cover and you start reading. And those experiences are something that I couldn't provide sitting behind a desk doing mailroom junk. Uh, they, You know, can't provide that experience when you have to grade papers all day. You can sort of provide it. You know, with the books on the reading list, but, you know, it's a much different experience providing it from your own hands, from your own Mm writing. And since this novel has themes of alcohol addiction and themes of grief and themes of anxiety and LGBTQ themes, um, those were all, you know, things that I was very passionate about that I couldn't, you know, really bring to students or to readers until now, now that the novel is releasing
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's well said. I, that's something that I have discovered about myself. Like I was never a big journal kind of person. Um, you know, I grew up where everybody had their own little diary and the little key that unlocks it and whatever. But, uh, I, I never could get into it myself because I wasn't really sure how I felt about some things, but I've discovered through writing my stories that I am kind of, self diagnosing some of my my own feelings about things and understanding my thoughts about this and that and then interplaying that interweaving that with some of my character interactions it, it do you find some of the same same things sir oh yeah
0: like it's um you, you put a little piece of your heart into each character um and after you do that you put it in there and you read it again and you think wow i really felt this passionate about it You know, to to make Ryan build and fight through his anxiety to become an alchemist that he thinks the world needs. Um, And uh, you put your heart in the antagonist, too. You put your heart into the bad guy who, yeah, maybe you wouldn't do anything he does in real life. But in the book, you can have an antagonist who says really dark things that maybe were things that were thoughts of yours at one time and you channel (laughs) that into a character and then that character has an effect on that world it's better than therapy (laughs)
1: yeah yeah and I I love that when you can write or or, well when you're reading a story that you can of course you are um you, you understand the main character the the Uh, protagonist but then you can also kind of identify with the antagonist and you can understand you know their background or where they're coming from and you know maybe they say something like you said that it's like you know he's not wrong (laughs) what they're doing is wrong but man i can kind of identify with where they're coming from with that and that i always find that so fascinating when you can have a uh the the bad guy so to speak uh come from a place of uh recognition where you can understand it a little bit
0: identifiable villains mm-hmm. yes when
1: you identify with them Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Wh- who's one of your favorite identifiable villains that you can just really connect with oh my goodness let's see
1: man uh, you know i'm not sure I, i'm i'm having trouble uh remembering the one that uh, that spoke to me here recently where i was just like i can see that um how, how about you
0: Oh, I got two favorites. Um, one of my favorites, uh, would be, uh, Magneto and the other one would be, uh, the Joker. Uh, I know the Joker's a little cliche, but what, what Magneto and the Joker both bring is they bring validation and they bring like, you know, th- the opposite side of the coin to what the quote unquote good guys think is correct. Mm-hmm. And they're so charismatic. Like, you, you, when you get those villains, I mean, you, you with, if you get a guy like Magneto saying, hey, you, this bad thing has happened to you because you're a mutant. Do you want to stop these bad things happening to you and other mutants? Then follow me and do my stuff. And then it turns out that the stuff he's doing isn't always kosher. That's kind of a moral gray area. That's a, yes, I have this belief. And Magneto is still fighting for what he thinks is good, but there are moments when he takes advantage of that. And mm-hmm. that's... What got me writing, uh, the warden, Lawrence Grant, he's that kind of, he's that kind of antagonist. He's that kind of, oh, he believes that addiction is a curse and, but we need it to, you know, to bring the weak will down so that the ones who are truly strong, like scientists, um, like, uh, big TV personalities, like big politicians who are making, you know, movements, you know, for the planet and for, you know for for beneficial things, so that they have a clearer path, and they're not as held down by the quote unquote common people's needs, so he's so twisted but somewhat relatable because like if you were doing something good, you wouldn't want that to get wrecked <laughs> yeah, so he thinks saving alchemy and keeping it alive and out of the hands of the people who are going to abuse it and who are going to mass-produce it so that they can be lazy uh, or so that they can just get their next hit. Uh, he wants to keep it out of their hands and only in the hands of people who will use it to quote-unquote build, but his definition of build is skewed.
1: It, it's funny you said Magneto because when when you asked me, the first thing that I thought of was Spider-Man. I had to go back to my uh, my Goodreads, but I, to, I, I was reading a... Um, Writer's guide to Spider-Man, actually, and they were investigating the characters, and Doc Ock is one that kind of stood out to me, and especially in in the movie, where you really relate, like the guy's just trying to do something for the world that's going to change the world and help it out, and then he's, you know, the, the tragic accident, and now he kind of goes a little mad because of it, or very mad because of it, but at his heart, he's still just trying to do this thing that's going to help the world and you know, Doc it, Spider-Man, why don't you just get out of the way and let me do my thing here so that I can help everyone without seeing the bigger picture of, uh, you know, Doc, you're going to destroy us all trying to save us.
0: That is such a compelling villain arc, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. I, I love that.
0: Oh, it's so fun. And, and those kind of psychological effects of how, how do we mentally deal with that? sometimes those effects get brushed under the rug in writing. I mean, I know that to a reader, it's a little, like it slows them down a little bit to have a page and a half of a character thinking, am I morally okay to behave this way? Will I have people I care about leave me because I believe this way? Um But those are things that we got to think about in writing. And Doc Ock is a perfect example of that. He takes the time and he shows you know, the the, the pain and the, how crazy he goes just wanting
1: to do good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you've got a couple of other things that uh, you, you were in, a couple of other uh, anthologies, a few other things that you've written here previous to this, uh, or your debut novel coming out. Uh, tell us about some of your other writing.
0: Yeah, so the two newest short stories and essays that are out uh, at the moment, free downloads, are uh, The Fiend in the Frame which is about a yoga witch and the negativity demons that she conjures as a result of helping people release their negativity in her class. Um, Caitlin is a yoga witch, and she channels 20 or 25 students' negativity and the toxicity and the bad feelings from every day into paintings. And then the students leave. And between classes, she has to duke it up with that negativity demon before it jumps out of the portrait frame and starts laying waste to, you know, a city block. Um, <laughs> oh so it's kind of a fantastical neo Gaiman meets Stephen King kind of tale. And it's a free download in the Kyanite Publishing Anthology, um, Where the Sun Always Shines. All right.
1: And, and your story is The Fiend in the Frame. The Fiend in the Frame. That's the one. Awesome! Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm gonna have to, uh, I, I'm gonna have to go grab that. So yeah, Kyanite Publishing. There's some, some great friends of the show. We've had some wonderful uh, other authors from uh, from them. Uh, and then you've got the uh, the one that you're working on. Anything else coming up soon?
0: Uh, the two big news announcements are one, uh, I got that revise and resubmit uh, request uh, for my urban fantasy novel, The Reapers Replacement which is about an alcoholic demon who loses her bodyguard gig when the Grim Reaper gets murdered in broad daylight. (laughs) And then I have a robot bee novel called um, Commanding the Swarm, and that novel is about an AI scientist and his robot bees, which become the ransom price when an ex-marine kidnaps his son. Uh, And that one's more of like a green energy kind of black mirror meets, um, you know, a green energy Tony Stark type of guy. So that one is in a contest, uh, the Green Stories Writing Contest, and we will have news whether or not, uh, because I'm a finalist in that contest. Um, It is one of seven novels that have made it into the finalist slots. So we'll get news on that in the next month.
1: Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, where can people find and follow you and get more news about you?
0: Uh, Well, there's a few places. Uh, My webpage is www.jbestafford.com. And that has links to everything, social media, all the free downloads I just mentioned, all the novels and the artwork to go with them. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, my handle is Oculus OculusWriter, uh, and I geek out about positivity and dog pictures and cool sunsets and then beer and stuff also on those feeds
1: outstanding yeah and everybody you want to make sure that whenever you go to his website which we'll have a link for all this in the show notes as always uh but when you go to his website make sure you're signing up for his monthly newsletter the tasty tales and book brews
0: yeah i just sent out a new version of that today uh tasty tales and book brews you now have all the news from that newsletter and if you want to see how those books end up in that contest go ahead and sign up and i'll put that announcement in the next newsletter
1: Fantastic. <laughs> all right. Jabe, this has been a lot of fun in spite of all the, the weird happenings going on in the background with my my stumbling lips and uh, things going going off in your background. It's been uh, interesting, but a lot of fun nonetheless.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I had a blast with you. We connected a heck of a lot, and uh, you can see that I'm high energy and it all snowballs, and the energy for the writing is never going to die. I'm going to be 85 and still have this energy for writing.
1: I love it. I love it. Yes, that's the, a great way to be, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me to sit back and listen into the highly energetic Jabe Stafford with his brand new debut novel, Ales, Agents, and Alchemy. All right. Chapter one, The Magician.
0: Alchemy makes monsters like the one watching me from behind the cherry wood bar. The warden, Lawrence Grant, most popular evildoer in the business. A killer in a suit, a criminal everyone adores. Reporters squawk each day about his generosity, his reputation, and the public's love for him and what he brings to the community. No one notices the bodies. No one except me and the few others too terrified to do something. Someone sets a rocks glass with deep amber liquid on my recycled wood table. I grip the cold, sweating sides by reflex. On the house, Rhine, a familiar woman's voice says. The warden's sorry for your loss. Glancing behind me in my chair, I see that it's Casey carrying a half-full drinks tray, her wavy red hair igniting in the light from the Edison bulbs overhead. Her lime polo shirt has the same logo as the glass a lime-and-gold scrawl in cursive, mirrored lettering that draws the eye like the cover of a favorite book or movie. It spells out, Booze Warden. My stomach churns at the sight of the craft markings concealed in the logo on the glass and at the power I know they contain. Stylized back-to-back bees that lie, pretending they're the famous logo and not the marks that they are. The floor mat at the pub entrance behind her has the same logo, So does the bright sign visible near the street through the smoke-thin curtains at the restaurant's windows. A football game's halftime announcers yell through the flat screens over the bar, something about a player due in court. I face forward again. The monster is still there, in his neat suit and golden tie. A genial wave of his hand sends drinkers at the bar spinning on their stools to see who he's greeting. Pete smashes my face and I ignore the drinker's sympathetic shoulder shrugs and whispering mouths. Flipping him off in front of his adoring addicts is how I started the last bar fight that got me arrested. "'Can we sit down and talk for a minute?' Casey says, stepping closer. I breathe her mellow perfume and the aura, the aroma of APAs from the pint glasses on her tray. "'Depends. Are you letting the past be the past?' She gestures up and down her athletic form with her free hand. I'm doing a better job than you now. I'm working out, and you're still wearing those mall store t-shirts and begging for a legitimate job. Lawrence is reviewing business models with me, Ryan. A CEO is teaching me the ins and outs of running a restaurant. So yes, I am letting the past be the past. Then I'm done talking to you. College Casey wouldn't let a friend die and then join the killer. Casey takes a step away from me, toward the bar, disgusted. We were making something of ourselves at IU. Your sister would want you to move on, instead of digging into crazy shit like you do. Come with me. Ask my dead sister if alchemy's real or not. I've got an old friend. Do you hear yourself regressing into childhood, or is it just me? Anger catches fire in my chest, and I stand, knocking my chair over. Alchemy's what he's crafting to kill people. I point at the monster everyone loves. Lawrence Grant smiles back like a predator whose prey will defend him. That trial's over, Casey hisses. Alchemy'd have to be real in order for it to be a murder weapon. I whip the rocks glass off the table, sloshing most of the craft of bourbon all over my watch, the table, and the floor. What do you think this logo is, a cheap decal? It ramps up the addictive properties of the bourbon inside. Casey sets the tray on a table between her and the bar pushing the APAs, some appetizers, and glasses of bourbon toward the exasperated people who'd been chatting and drinking a second before. She glances at one of the many overhead cameras, then raises her voice over the flat screens and the diners. Sir, you're disturbing the customers here. I need to ask you to leave. Behind Casey, I see Lawrence cross to the door in the bar counter like he means to speak with me. A bunch of drinkers wave him down. I catch what they're saying to him in a lull at the game's glaring. A tattooed regular says, That's the disturbed boy. How'd he get out of jail? An elderly booze hound says, You were nice to his family, Warden. Go easy on the kid. Her husband grunts, Ignore him, Warden. We were having a good time. I slug the rest of the bourbon, the burning chill warming my throat, and then I reach for my pocket. Casey tenses, opens her mouth to shout, I draw a minute bottle out of my jeans and twist the top off, and she calms down. Sense of hops and malt waft toward me at the same moment as an unnatural craving rears up in my brain. It screams at me, telling me that more of his bourbon would relieve the rage. It would relieve the pain. That feeling is the psychological addiction Lawrence has crafted into his mass-produced bourbon. No drinker at any booze warden pub has ever recognized that craving for what it is, and they wouldn't believe me or any alchemist I knew if we told them. I down half the ale in my bottle, crossing both eyes to see the craft markings I etched into it. A cylinder, split horizontally with waves and curls like a playing card's mirror image. That craving vanishes when I swallow the bubbling liquid, the warden's alchemy swept away by my home-brewed craft ale. Raising the bottle, I smirk at Lawrence behind the bar and give a cheery wave. With everyone watching the exchange like a ping-pong match, they see him return the smile. I find the crack in it. Behind that smile, he's pissed off. If I can erase his addictive alchemy, then I can erase his customer base, prove him a fraud and a murderer. All that's in the way is the law, the unbelieving world, and the warden's lawyers. As Casey said, none of them acknowledge alchemy as anything more than crazy outside of movies.
1: That was Jabe Stafford reading a sample chapter from his debut novel, Ales, Agents, and Alchemy. The book comes out October 22nd, but you can pre-order it right now by clicking the link in the show notes for that. And to learn more about Jabe, don't forget to check out his monthly newsletter the tasty tales and book brews and uh, don't forget to also click those links in the show notes for our podcast friends and sponsor alike and hit that subscribe button because you don't want to miss out next week when we're back with the one and only lou diamond phillips and his debut novel tinderbox soldier of indira it's coming up next week so we'll see you then folks take care